fatherly fellow with bifocals and a cane. I knew the slightly stout founding father frequently pictured in a fancy, stylish coat, sometimes with a wig, other times in the rustic fur hat he adopted for his time in Paris. Now, after years of reading his words and what others wrote about him, studying his life and environment and cooking his foods, I've realized the important role ingredients and even recipes play in understanding his life and times. I've come to know him and his wife, Deborah, well. The young Franklin was athletic and smart. As a businessman in Philadelphia, he regularly demonstrated his strength as he pushed carts of printing paper through the streets. He was an accomplished horseman. Later, in London, during his fifties, he may have been slowed physically by the effects of gout, yet he had more intellectual pots on the stove than seems possible for one man. As he aged, his thoughtful negotiations on both sides of the Atlantic laid the groundwork for the success of the new nation. In the pages that follow, we'll see how he grew from a hard-working, self-educating lad to a successful and innovative printer, dedicated husband, and then astute businessman and statesman. At every point, he was a dynamic and pragmatic problem-solver, bringing the lessons he learned at his father's table to business, politics, and nation-building. Benjamin led me down fascinating paths beyond foodways and statesmanship. Science, printing, electricity, music, and poetry in Boston, London, Paris, and Philadelphia. Through their letters, Benjamin and Deborah brought me into their cheerful home. Franklin had three children two sons and a daughter. His wife, Deborah, was a partner in his businesses, and this was a key factor in his ability to serve as a diplomat in London for 15 years. She held the house, business, and extended family together. Oh, and she was a good cook. I have long known that food is the most powerful connection to our own past and to the lives of others. With Franklin, food takes us back not only to his life and times, but to some of our nations as well. However Franklin stirred the pot over his long career, from the gentle simmer of fostering new ideas to the rapid boil of revolution, his thoughts and actions provide food for thought. For the past three decades, I've spent my time cooking with centuries-old recipes, then eating meals made from them. These delicious efforts have been my path for understanding and interpreting social trends and historical events. Food has the added benefit of being accessible. Everyone has to eat, and most of us cook to one degree or another. The most committed non-cook interacts with and prepares food, even if it is simply pouring milk into a bowl of cereal. As to finding recipe connections to a specific time and place, luck has a lot to do with success. For this exploration of Franklin's life, and especially colonial America, some of the opportunity lies in what food historian and author Sandra Oliver calls the importance of vernacular cooking. In short, there aren't any recipes for the everyday foods of middle-class colonial kitchens like those of Benjamin's childhood or his early years in Philadelphia. So I've looked through period cookbooks to come close to the idea of a recipe, and then let the ingredients themselves lead the way. For Franklin's adult years, from 1730 to 1790, we get extraordinarily lucky. 
There is a bushel basket full of information taking us right into his kitchens in Philadelphia, London, and Passy, France. We know six of the culinary books he either owned or read. We don't have the actual copies showing the batter spatters from Deborah's cooking spoons, but we do have clues as to some of the foods he was eating at the time. Benjamin began his culinary adventures with works by Englishman Thomas Tryon, a 17th-century health writer and advocate for a vegetarian lifestyle. Then, as a printer, Franklin would reprint his own edition of a health-slash-food book written in Williamsburg, Virginia. He also sold one of the most popular English cookbooks in his Philadelphia shop, Eliza Smith's The Complete Housewife. We know he at least read parts of the other leading London cookbook, as he translated some of the recipes from Mrs. Hannah Glass's The Art of Cookery Made Plain and Easy into